1: Everybody, this is Phil Town.
0: And this is Danielle Town.
1: Welcome to the Invested Podcast and welcome back,
0: my darling daughter. Hi, honey. I'm back. (laughs) I'm not 100% back, but I'm back.
1: (laughs) We're still trying to figure out if you are contagious or not. After how many days have you had this symptoms now?
0: Uh, I've honestly lost track, but I think it's somewhere around seven weeks at this point.
1: Seven weeks. So, like, almost 50 days. And still having some symptoms, which is fatigue and what else are you, is that the main one?
0: Yeah. um, You know, everybody's a little different, but yeah, basically I would say, and I don't know what my doctor would say if this is right or not, but I, I think we're veering into the world of long COVID at this point rather than regular COVID. Although a couple days ago, or a couple days ago, my brain, by the way, is one of the symptoms for sure. And I would say I'm at like 50%, which is a heck of a lot better than where I was at a few weeks ago. Um, But a few weeks ago, I told her that I was having um, some bad symptoms and she said, you know what, it's just the recovery. It's like, this is like just COVID recovery and this is just how it is. And that was rather sobering to know that that's kind of what they expect. Because at that point it had been like five weeks and I kind of thought it was weird that I was still sick. So, um, yeah. It sounds to me
1: like American medicine is far better than, than Swiss medicine at this point, since Donald Trump got it and was well in like 48 hours or something. (laughs) Like I'm teasing you. Yeah. No kidding. No, it's not that funny. Okay. That wasn't funny. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: But I just wonder <laughs> if they're giving you all this stuff. Are they doing that? Or they're not doing anything? They're just letting you recover.
0: You know that nobody else gets all the stuff he got, right?
1: Well, I expect to get it if I ever get COVID. And I'm gonna insist on
0: it. Oh, we'll see how that works out um, for you. What with did ins- you get? Experimental drugs. Well, I'm just curious, um, what did you get? No, anything? I've gotten I've gotten nothing. No. You've gotten nothing. So
1: is this nationalized medicine at work here? Oh,
0: I mean, I'm not going
1: to hear that damn thing right yeah. there. I just screwed up. I just screwed up. This is some sort of foreign robocall that has my number and keeps, you know, faking the numbers that are coming in. They're constantly changing them. And I keep falling for it. And every time I fall for it, then I get a, like five or six more that day is and i'm i'm trying to stop it i'm using robo killer and it gets around robo killer and man it's so frustrating we got to find a way to stop these guys do you have that in switzerland too look at that they just called again so they're so good at it they i, I want to hire them or i want to use a small nuclear weapon i don't know which one they're just so <laughs> vicious I feel like I feel. Hold so. on, I gotta. I gotta stop this. So I have to like block these guys immediately, or they just keep going. Hang on, block him. Ah, oh, that was so bad that I hit the wrong button because now I know I'm on their short list for. Oh, this idiot picks up. Oops. Okay, sorry about that. Let's go back to it. I think that's really valuable for our podcast, though, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think we should just go back.
1: <laughs> okay, let's. Go. No, we're not going anywhere. We're going right there. Everybody has that problem, and now it comes right into podcast time. Bastards. All right. So that's just me. Um, let's go back to the COVID thing because I'm just curious. Is this, you know, we're in a great debate in the United States about whether we want nationalized health care and single-payer healthcare.
0: It's one that I'm that. not going to wade into.
1: Well, I'm just curious. I would like to know. You don't have to wait into it. Why didn't they give you anything?
0: You know, I don't even know what kind of question that is. I'm following the clinical advice of my doctor as to why she didn't do X, Y, or Z. That would have to be a longer conversation for later, I imagine.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. But did you ask them um, anything?
0: Yes, they sent me to the bloody hospital, Dad. Yes. Yes. I know. And did you say, like, why aren't
1: you giving me anything?
0: Because everything came back okay. So,
1: no kidding.
0: I know you're frustrated, but it is what it is. When when you say everything
1: came back okay, I don't understand what that means because you've been sick for seven weeks. How could it come back okay?
0: Well, they sent me to the hospital because I, so, COVID, as maybe some people don't know, has been called a respiratory illness ever since the beginning. And it probably is, but now a lot of doctors think that it's actually a um, a blood clotting illness because a lot of people who have died, have they've found that they um, they died of respiratory failure, but because there were blood clots in their lungs and in their arteries and um, just all over the place. And so a big risk is heart issues or blood. Blood clots somewhere in your body, and so um, a lot of people have heart symptoms. And I was having heart symptoms, palpitations, chest tightness. Um, not really trouble breathing, but more just like pain and tightness. And so that really worries doctors when you tell them that. So that's why they sent me to the hospital.
1: I this is the first I have heard of that. No,
0: it's not.
1: Yeah, you didn't tell me you're having heart palpitations. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I think this is an indication of the brain part of the
0: COVID. So um, so, I did not get hospitalized, but yeah, they just wanted to check on me. But what what the labs, the labs came back that um, I didn't have any elevated levels of uh, an infection that would indicate an infection in my heart. So that's what I mean, that they came back good, because I was pretty convinced they were going to come back like you have myocarditis and (laughs) things are bad, but things were not bad. So that was a big relief. And well,
1: I'm glad that you didn't tell me or I didn't hear it because that would have freaked me out.
0: Well, I definitely told you and I think you were freaked out at the time, but maybe you have blocked it out. (laughs) I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of different stuff that people can have. And I had fevers, but always very low, but always, you know, like under a hundred degrees Fahrenheit and, um, and just, I think it's just like an inf- inflammatory disease. And so I th- they don't really know why people have all these brain issues, but they think that it's because of inflammation in the brain and, um that's certainly been very real for me. So yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, you know, like it's also like, I often think we're roughly six months into this thing. And the idea that we know anything about it is kind of amazing. And the stuff that we thought we knew three months ago, much of that, it turns out like has changed. And
1: so it's a,
0: it's an ongoing uh, process.
1: I I will say this is an example of I think a really vivid example of why trusting the experts to have have has become such a problematic experience. I mean, when we look when we look at the investing field, we see that the experts have been effing wrong for forty or fifty years, and won't back away from the paradigm that. You know, that all stocks are priced properly, that price and value are the same, <clears throat> that sharp ratios mean something, that capital asset pricing models mean something, that the Securities Exchange Commission requires your financial advisor to believe in these things or they won't pass the test. They require that your financial advisor manage your money according to these things or they'll take their license and they're nonsense. I mean, this is the stuff Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are calling snake oil. It's it's absolute BS. And and enormous percentage of the people who are involved at the very top levels of money management or money regulation absolutely believe in this nonsense. And so you you see this. It's like okay, so the the, the experts in the world think that the, the the sun revolves around the earth and the earth is flat all right, despite all of the evidence to the contrary. And that was true for hundreds of years, if not thousands. And now we have this, you know, we just have these paradigms. And it's like you've got this COVID out there. And honestly, gosh, I get so frustrated when we start to understand that a negative test doesn't mean that you're not capable of transmitting the virus or that you won't have it tomorrow. That's yeah, the that's well, part that they will not
0: get They They, clear they tell everybody that. that, people just ignore it.
1: <laughs> they don't tell anybody that. Yeah, I've they read, do. If have read it's the, the CDC, it's not 100% website.
0: accurate, and that's what not 100% accurate no, means. No, this isn't about it
1: being accurate. The test is, well, okay, they say the test is not 100% accurate, but people don't understand what that means.
0: That's true. I will never forget when the doctor called me from the hospital with the positive test and I was telling her about like who I'd been around and, and stuff. And I had a friend who had gotten tested and she tested negative, but was not feeling good. And the doctor said, well, 20% of the negative tests are false negatives. One fifth. And I was like, What? well like, excuse me why isn't that plastered on every news bulletin out there in the world that all these people are getting negative tests and saying i'm not contagious therefore when really we actually don't know that that's maybe right. they're part of the one-fifth
1: right and 20 I, I is thought a the lot test...
0: of percent that's a lot well, here's of what people. i thought
1: i thought that it didn't that the test didn't work that it was like oh, the test has this broken wheel in it or something. But that's not it. It's that when you test and they swab a nasal passage, they don't pick up any of the virus, then they give you and you get a negative.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the
1: virus can be totally in your lungs. You could be breathing on people and it's just not up in that part of your body. Yeah,
0: it just didn't get onto the swab.
1: It just didn't get onto the swab. And I don't think people realize that. One of our friends gave COVID to two more of our friends and she had been getting tested every day. She was on a movie shoot over here uh, near Chad Hills and she'd been tested every day. They're hardcore about it out there at the movie studio and everybody wears a mask and everybody social distances 2 let's see, one, two, three, I think five days in a row she was out there five days in a row. She tests negative and then she comes then the next day she has hugs a couple of people who are good friends of mine in the morning and then test positive for it that day. And they both got sick. I mean, she absolutely gave it to him. That was 100% for sure. And I mean, it's like, what's the point of a negative test if it doesn't protect anybody around you, potentially, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why people quarantine even if they have a negative test, if they've been exposed.
1: Yeah, and the trouble is you don't know if you've been exposed.
0: Most yeah, which time, is where right? contact tracing comes in.
1: So, like Melissa was, <laughs> Melissa was over um, doing a uh, a horse show that we sponsored over it, you know, over in uh, a few miles from here, and a tornado came rolling in, and she was being very conscientious because she knows I'm worried about this, so she was social distancing and wearing a mask when she was around anybody even close, and then a tornado comes in. I mean, how do you figure for this? A tornado rolls in into that area out of the blue and everybody runs for shelter and Melissa shelters in a basement with a bunch of kids and a couple of families we know, but those kids are, their parents go to the gym and I mean, it's just like, oh man, and nobody had a mask on. And and she basically called me on the way home and said, honey, I don't, I don't know if I've been exposed or not. And we have quarantined from each other. That's so good. Like, I have been in the blue room now for nine days in the blue room. <laughs> so are you going 10 days ref- or
0: 14 days?
1: 10 days. Okay. 10 days. And we're checking with the people who, who were in that room to see if anybody came down with it. Mm-hmm. Right. But 10 days. Um, the friend of ours that got COVID from our other friend is just back now from from uh, quarantine and over it, completely testing negative. <clears throat> and we assume he's safe, you know, so we're not worried too much about being around him. So, I mean, it's just... Uh, There's just so much we don't know. can't test negative and have it mean anything. It's like then you just have to protect yourself all the time from everybody. And
0: there's a lot we don't know. And I think a year from now, we're all going to be going, oh, like that thing that we thought, that wasn't actually the case. And, you know, we'll know a lot more. Uh, The science already, I think, is insanely amazing how much we know in six months. I just, it blows my mind away. I'm
1: going to be real impressed if they crank out this vaccine this fast. I mean, that would be insane if they can get a vaccine out as quickly as it sounds like they're getting there so that i don't know
0: amazing. i haven't been following but i think yeah they're working on it
1: oh they're 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 busting through all sorts of red tape and and um, the companies that have it going are committed to getting it out there without any profit and the government's ordered billions of dollars of it and <clears throat> the u.s army is standing by to distribute it, it i mean it's like they're on it, and, it, and it hopefully they'll get it through and get something mm. that actually works. But the problem with that, of course, is that a vaccine is considered to work if it protects 50% of the people who take it, mm. 50% who take it. And half the people in America are saying right now they're not going to take it. So that means if they widely distribute this massively, it protects a quarter of the people and everybody else is still exposed. So I think we're going to live with this thing for years. I, I mean, well, at least yeah, till we, we reach definitely herd immunity,
0: will. yeah, until forty
1: percent of us get it.
0: Yeah, uh, and the interesting thing is, like, why do some people get no symptoms? Why do some people get it for a week? And why do some people get it seemingly un? I'm like losing my words. Without an end, <laughs> there's some words. Yeah, for that.
1: sort of a long, the long form, and some people die. And some people
0: die. Yeah, exactly. Some people who are, by the way, have no comorbidities (laughs) are not in risk groups, et cetera. Right.
1: They're 30 years old, you know, it's like, but the good news is, of course, it doesn't happen very often in your age groups, which is really good. Um, On the other hand, in my age group, mm, a whole nother story, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So So I just heard some interesting gossip about scientific research, which I won't repeat because I think it was said to me um, kind of on on the DL. but mm-hmm. it was it just made me think about like why people like people are studying this. Why do some people uh, fall on that range in various points? and um, and it just made me realize like how many scientists are all over this in ways that us non-scientists haven't even thought about, and I think we're gonna get. Hopefully, more answers sooner rather than later because there's so yeah. much emphasis on it.
1: I hope so. And I, I really wish people in, in the United States, I don't know about what they're doing in Europe, but it doesn't sound like you guys are doing any better than we are. It sounds like you're actually doing worse right now. At what? It, at COVID spreading like hot, like fire, like a big wave of COVID going through Europe, apparently.
0: Oh. And um, yeah, I haven't compared between Europe and the US, but definitely. Um, numbers have spiked all over Europe in the last week and a half or so, including yeah, in like Switzerland. Some, I and mean, my theory is it's because it got cold and everybody went inside.
1: <laughs> probably <laughs> right.
0: what else has changed? Nothing has changed.
1: Zero. Like they're, the, the way that they're kind of calculating how bad things are is how many people die per 100,000 people. Or how many people get it per 100,000 people? I don't know. Yeah. I, the getting it part is pretty subjective because it's, it's re, not subjective, but it's related to how many tests are being run. And so the more, obviously, the more tests you run, the more you're going to find it and um, and raise the numbers of people. Yeah, but they have tested. a metric for
0: that, too. The percentage of tests that turn out to be positive. The percentage well, of tests. how many tests are you giving, though? It doesn't matter how many; it's just the percentage of it. If it's below five percent,
1: seen that one.
0: Oh, in Switzerland, they or at least in the at the it's called SRF.ch. There's it's this like radio channel that gives all the coronavirus news on a nice page. So that's what everybody looks at, and they report that number because that's what the government is looking at to determine if it's getting to breakout levels oh, or see. not. Um, and the threshold is 5%. As long as it's under 5%, they kind of feel like that's okay. Hmm. But, and I haven't looked at it in probably a week or so. I think it might have gotten over 5% this week.
1: Well, I tell you, man, it's, it's cooking in, in Europe. I can tell you that right now. It's like Czechoslovakia numbers are double the U.S. Um, France is up above us. UK is above us. Belgium's off the chart. Netherlands off the chart, high. Spain back to high. So it's going. And what I'm really curious about is what are some countries doing that keeps this from spreading like crazy and that the rest of us aren't doing, right? So my gut is it's all about who the citizens are and what they feel like they have a right to do. Like I think in a number of countries. I'm just when really people,
0: amused by your armchair. Uh, public health analysis right now.
1: Yeah, but look at <laughs> look at what happens in a number of Asian countries where they they had it first and they've shut it down.
0: I know. Right. Well, there was an interesting article in the Guardian. What are they doing
1: that's different than us? Right.
0: If you want to look up be... this article in the Guardian about Japan and what they did, um, it was sort of I think it was the Guardian or maybe the BBC. Um about what Japan did and they don't I mean they don't really know nobody really knows maybe it's the populace maybe it's the strain that's in that country or maybe it's what they did Um, but what Japan did is as you were just saying they have a really strong tradition of wearing a mask the second you feel sick at all and people have been doing that for so many years that it's Mm. considered rude to not wear a mask if you Mm if you even have like the slightest sore throat or cold or anything. And so it's just so like automatic for them. And they think that that contributed hugely to stopping the spread. But who knows? Maybe it wasn't that at all. And that's just a coincidence.
1: I know. It's just, it's so amazing. And it's so, it's, it's very political, of course, the United States. So,
0: So let's talk about investing
1: stuff. Well, we are talking about investing 100%. Yeah, exactly. Because if this thing is going to continue for quite some time, then we are going to see some really serious um, currency issues happening. Mm -hmm. Because people are going to stay out of work. People are going to not be going to theaters. They're not going to be going to sporting events. They're not going to be doing a lot of the things that they were doing. And those businesses are on life support. And, and I mean, restaurants are on life support the, to me, the idea of going into a restaurant and having dinner inside a restaurant is insane. I can't even imagine what people are thinking and they're doing it. They're doing it all over, but nothing like the numbers they used to have. It's less than half right now. So um, we're going to, I mean, shoot, man, we're going to see more and more companies go under more and more people on life support financially and the demand to massively intervene in this is going to be overwhelming. If Biden gets elected and he gets a Senate with it, it's a done deal. They'll spend, I mean, they'll spend $3.3 trillion immediately. Um, and I think they'll follow it up with more. If they've got a mixed group in there in the United States, there's, you know, Trump is calling for a, a, a big number and McConnell and the Senate is not – and they're going to push something through something has to go through after the election <clears throat> because they don't want to wait for another election cycle and have everybody just go in the tank so bottom line what can happen with the currency is so i mean it's interesting from an academic point of view how much can you print in other words right now here let
0: me let me give so you some So what statistics. you're talking about is is putting an economic stimulus printing mm-hmm. money into the economy and how that's gonna affect the currency itself.
1: Right, so for example, the government manipulates, in the United States, the government manipulates the consumer price index, which is what uh, Social Security is indexed to, it's what Medicare is indexed to, so a lot of prices are indexed to the consumer price index and it's, last year it was, the index raised prices, according to the index, 1.3%, okay? So the problem with that is that last year, I, I may have my numbers slightly wrong, but you'll get the ballpark idea. Last year, we increased the money supply by four point nine percent, which is a classic definition of inflation. In other words, <laughs> yeah, if that's you don't an interesting in,
0: comparison with numbers. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you don't, com, if you don't increase the wealth, right? The overall wealth is the same and you increase the money supply by 4.9%, you've just degraded your money by 4.9%. You haven't added any wealth. You can't print wealth, as everyone from Argentina to Zimbabwe has figured out. Um, You can't do that. And I don't think our politicians are so naive as to think they can, but they've painted themselves into a corner. You know, you can't tax your way out of something like this, and it's just so much easier to print the money. And on top of that, the U.S. is the world's reserve currency. The U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency, which means if the U.S. dollar is going down in value, that's injuring everybody else out there that has our money sitting in their bank vaults, Mm -hmm. which they have by the trillions. And so they want to protect their own ability to compete in U.S. dollars, then they're forced to devalue their currencies. And Switzerland has done this. It's astonishing that the Swiss did it. But at some point, you start to realize against the euro that the Swiss franc is so powerful and so strong that nobody can buy Swiss chocolate. They can't buy Swiss watches. They can't come to Switzerland for a vacation because it just, in euros, costs an insane amount of money. So Switzerland, went, we just can't keep doing that. So they devalued their currency. And you'll end up with this... This downward race of devaluations mm-hmm. in order to kind of stay with the dollar mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, how long does that last before these currencies are considered worthless? And I can tell you something it's it's unbelievable. Zimbabwe, after they devalued their currency seventy five percent, and the World Trade Organization refused to lend them any more money, it took Zimbabwe twenty years before their currency finally completely failed. I mean, draconian measures work; governments keep pushing it, and meanwhile, we have to be investors during this whole thing. And so, I've been I've been really looking at this, and it's scary like crazy. Um, so obviously, you're looking for something that will hold its value, and gold tends to be a currency that holds its value in times like this. Mm -hmm. Ray Dalio is strongly urging gold on people. The problem with gold is that these governments, to keep you using their currency, have a history of confiscating your gold. Right? Hmm. You didn't know that?
0: I didn't know that, no.
1: Yeah, starting with the United States.
0: Yeah, I remember there was something about that in the 70s when they... Like under Nixon or something, wasn't there? Didn't
1: they? No, it was under FDR, 1933. FDR Mm -hmm. confiscated with an executive order. That's all it took. He didn't pass it through the Senate. Nothing. He he did an executive order and collected all the gold in the United States. And he bought it at twenty dollars an ounce. And then once he had it all, he immediately revalued it at $35 an ounce in terms of repatriating gold back to uh, any nation that wanted to exchange dollars for gold. And what happened was all these European countries, countries around the world in 1934, sent their gold to America in exchange for these suddenly, you know, really nice return on their gold. All of a sudden, gold went from 20 to 35 bucks, they get 35 US dollars, and that looked like a super deal. People sent billions and billions and billions of dollars of gold over to the United States. Okay, fast forward to Nixon. At By that point in time, the United States had had become the world's reserve currency under the Bretton Woods Agreement, where everyone would keep the, the currencies at the same level relative to gold, okay? So gold's 35 bucks still in 1971. The problem was there was 14, I, I don't know the exact numbers, 14 something, 14 tons, 14 billion tons, whatever it was, that we owed to these foreign governments who sent us their gold in exchange for $35, right? We owed all that gold. And they said, give it to us. And we only had three, whatever those are. We owed 14 and we had three. Okay. And so Nick, Nixon was like, well, we can't give you back your gold. And he didn't want to admit that. So they he took us off the gold standard and said, OK, we're no longer redeeming gold for dollars. We won't do it. And that created, for the first time I think in history, fully fiat currencies. That is, no currencies anywhere in the world we're backed by gold. So we're backed by nothing. Now they're just completely paper. And, you know, you saw it happened. Gold went up to like $800 an ounce briefly and came back down to $600. And then things settled down. It ended up down around $400 or something. And meanwhile, these currencies are floating against each other. And that's all their values are, is they're related to each other. Yeah, against yeah. the yen, against yeah. the euro, against the... And so nobody knows what will happen. There's an, there's an actual argument out there right now that says that modern portfolio theory or modern monetary theory says as long as everybody has to be compared to everybody else, you can print as much as you want.
0: Oh, because it doesn't really matter because as everybody sinks, it all sort of stays the same. Yeah. <laughs> And it might be true. I, I mean, don't know why that makes me laugh. Exactly, it just sounds know. so ridiculous. It's but, so ridiculous. But I can also, I can also appreciate the theory. I guess a little bit.
1: You know, and I can also appreciate the people who are a little bit scared That's about all funny. this and are buying Bitcoin or something. You know, I mean. And by the way, no if you kidding.
0: think
1: Bitcoin is going to survive <laughs> a government takeover of your currencies, you're dreaming. If they can take your gold, they can take your Bitcoin. <laughs> and all they got to do, you guys, is just make it illegal to, to transfer it into anything useful. That's, that's the catch, is that you actually, you know, if you've well, got, so- you got a cryptocurrency and you want to buy a pizza, you got to get your cryptocurrency into a currency the pizza guy will take, and he's not going to take Bitcoin because he'll go to jail, is what they could do. So I don't I don't know. I don't have an answer yet. We'll work on this, you guys.
0: Well, the interesting question I think then is okay, so let's say skip gold, skip currencies, just ignore the whole thing and go to the um wealth generating stock market. Assets.
1: Assets. Yeah. Well, and by the yeah, way Yeah, but in I'm Zimbabwe, thinking
0: specifically companies publicly traded. Yeah. Because they produce income, they produce wealth. This is the entire argument that we've had this whole time to and they do invest in, in the that, stock market. But so yes. what happens, this is the interesting part, what happens as a currency devolves and devalues?
1: Well, then you have massive inflation, right? Yeah. And the stock market goes up like a rocket.
0: And that's maybe, what happened in
1: Weimar, Germany maybe. in 1920. And it's what happened in Zimbabwe, of all places, the stock but, market went straight up. And what happened? Yeah, but it is went things, up, but
0: it didn't really mean anything because the currency wasn't worth anything.
1: Well, it wasn't worth anything 15 years later, or 10 years later, or five years later. It was busy being devalued, but the stock market was keeping up with it. Hmm. Okay. So um, people were putting their money in the stock market. And then finally, money it, it got so crazy that the banks couldn't lend money because they would get back less than they lent, right, Right. in terms of the buying power. So the banks just quit lending and started putting their money in the stock market.
0: Well, and by the way, that's kind of already happening.
1: And that's already kind of happening. Because the interest rates are so
0: low, the banks aren't really making much money from lending these days.
1: And the government of Zimbabwe started putting its money in the stock market, which the government of Japan is doing right now and owns an enormous part of the Japanese stock market. Mm -hmm. And the United States has, under a number of people, um, talked about now starting to move into the stock market. And guess what? The Federal Reserve has made noises like it might buy uh, indexes, and now it did it.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah they've been talking about that started
1: buying bond indexes Mm -hmm. in the stock market to prop up it is
0: the most blatant market manipulation Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can't even
1: wrap my head around it it's like okay where where does this ball stop it's like you feel like we're on a roulette wheel and the ball is spinning and there are no good places for it to land we have to look really carefully and say okay well if it lands on real estate what's going to happen well if interest rates ever start going up to match inflation then real estate's dead meat mm-hmm. right and and uh if you owe a mortgage i mean it is and and you, you might still get rent if you if you own real estate free and clear oh and by the way in a vastly massive inflation market the basic idea is you want to owe money as crazy as that sounds because you borrow when 10 dollars will buy 10 dollars and you repay it when $10 will buy $1. Mm. And if your salary keeps up with this massive inflation, then all of a sudden you could pay back 10 years worth of debt in a year, Mm. right? Because it's inflation. And this is called the monetization of debt. And it's a classic way for democracies to get out from under impossible obligations is they simply monetize the obligations and don't allow uh, an inflation uh, adjustment. So that's what they're doing right now in the United States. So if they're printing 4.9% increase in monetary supply, which is inflation, and they're only increasing Social Security by 1.3%, then the they're able to offset the actual cost of Social Security by making it cost by making it buy less and less and less and less. So eventually, twenty years from now, your social security check will be twice as big as it is today and buy half as much.
0: I wonder then if like if somebody's completely invested in one stock market in one country, in one currency they're going to end up following whatever happens to that market in that country. But maybe something to think about with diversification is making sure you're denominated in a few different markets and a few different currencies. Or
1: if the monetary
0: theory that you just described, where as everybody, as one goes down, everybody goes down, then maybe it wouldn't matter at all. But it's sort
1: of like, the, I think the idea of that when, you know, in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is king. Yeah. You sort of want to pick out, even if everybody's printing, we'd want to pick out the currencies that are printing less, that are more conservative. So, for example, the Swiss franc has a long history of being the strongest currency in Europe.
0: They're very right? conservative here. Very, very, very conservative. conservative
1: yeah. I would look at, say, Singapore's currency because Singapore is so conservative and so well-run financially um, as perhaps an alternative. I would look at gold for sure. I mean, if they do confiscate it, they'll probably confiscate it at the rate at that point, whatever that is, and it might be $18,000 to one, you know, or something. So you're you're gonna benefit uh, to some degree from owning a, a, a currency that can't be that easily manipulated. And we look at gold as a currency in that case. So we'll talk more about this. I think I think this is a really interesting subject, and I think that uh, um, we should have some ideas on where to go with this. So I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's let's do some more of this next time.
0: Yeah, let's. I think it's a really interesting topic, and it must be easy enough for my brain to understand because I haven't even started coughing or anything. So You're doing it's great,
1: great honey. <laughs> I'm so happy. You're doing so good. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really, really thinking that in another week or so, you're going to be much stronger. You're coming back now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's not day by day, but it's week by week. And I'm definitely stronger this week than I was last week. And by so, the way,
1: just give your, your husband, Nuno, a big hug from me. Um, <laughs> he sends out these lovely pictures of the food that he's making for you. And he's really quite the <laughs> chef. If it tastes as good as it looks.
0: he awesome has learned to cook in the last two months and it's fantastic. (laughs) I love it. He's there taking care of you. He has to make me my food, but he really does. He's amazing. Um, the other day, uh, I don't remember when, I don't even know what day it is today. Is it Monday? Yeah, it's Monday. Um, so last week he had a really busy day with work stuff and, um, And so I was like, okay, I'll make my own food today. I think I can do it. And I did not do any... Like, this was not like cooking, really. It was like, take things out of the fridge, put them on the plate, heat them up, put them on the plate. And so I did breakfast and lunch, and I made a snack. And then dinner, I chopped up some zucchini, and I think I put, like, zucchini and chicken in the oven. And I was just, like, done at that point. I couldn't do anything else. I was... Like, that was it was borderline too much and he was so sweet about it he was like i'm not taking care of you i have to make sure i cook your food the best
1: son-in-law in in the world i love him so much
0: i mean i know a lot of people are out there who are sick and don't have anybody living with them and have to get their own food and take care of themselves and it it really makes the recovery a lot harder so my heart goes out to everybody in that situation Mm, and i'm very aware of how lucky i am to have somebody helping me
1: well we love you and we're so glad you're getting better baby and uh we'll see you uh see you soon and also we're gonna have a great podcast next week let's talk about where to go with this where do yeah, we go with this I love to protect it. ourselves? I
0: love it. I think also we should talk in the next few weeks without getting into political stuff because I have no interest in discussing and my stress levels cannot handle it. But I think just the U.S. election is something the world is watching and the markets are watching. And I think we should talk about kind of not exactly how to play it because we don't play stuff like that, but like... If there is anything to think about, uh, that's certainly something I'm thinking about as okay, we head in that direction. It. Let's do it. All right.
1: Sounds good. I love you, Thanks babe. Thanks
0: for having me. All right, back. everybody. My low Thanks. energy voice. I'll I'll hopefully have more energy next week.
1: Oh uh, it's so great. And uh, everybody, we'll see you guys next week. Right now, time to go play. See you.
0: Thanks, everybody.
1: Bye